0: now let's begin
1: Seven hundred one, a star trek podcast i am your host my name is chris lockhart and i'm here with the trek 1701 crew um first up we got ragnar how's it going ragnar
2: well it's going quite well and
3: hello out there everyone
1: excellent next up we have richard zabo how's it going richard
3: oh doing all right under the weather but i'm here and i'm ready to
4: rock and roll
1: Excellent. And last but not least, we have Curtis Hollomy. How's it going, Curtis?
4: Awesome. Ready to talk about some Trek.
1: Perfect. Um, Before we get into, um, because this episode we're going to be talking about Enterprise Season 4.0. So the first 11 episodes of Star Trek Enterprise Season 4. But... uh, we're gonna begin on a little bit of a sad note. <clears throat> uh, we lost another Star Trek actress, um, Sally Kellerman. She's probably best known as being the original Hot Lips Hoolihan in the Mash movie. Um, but she and she was in uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Um, she passed away, uh, and she was eighty-four. Her connection to Star Trek is uh, she played uh, Doctor Elizabeth Daner, a human Starfleet officer aboard the USS Enterprise in the second pilot. So the the first pilot with uh, William Shatner, uh, where no man has gone before. Um, She's the one that uh, she ends up dying by the end of the episode. yeah, and she—I mean, she's been in a lot of a lot of different things as well. Um, and like I said, she was eighty-four, and she was actually in Vulcan. I—I um, I think it was the year Andrew Robinson was there. Um, <clears throat> it was the same year that uh, the the actress who played Robin Curtis, who played Savick, was there. Because they were there on the Saturday, and then like. Uh, Andrew Robinson and Robert Beltran and all them were on the Sunday. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know if any... Like, I, I didn't get a, a photo op with her or got to meet her, but I did see her at Volcon that year. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, she passed away. She was 84. Wow. But, but she still looked Well,
2: 84, she, 84 is a good run. You yeah, know.
1: And and I mean, at Vulcan, she still looked fantastic. I thought I never like. I mean, that would have been five years ago, I think. Yeah, I, I would never have known she was in her late seventies when I seen her. Like she she looked really good. But yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, Ragnar is going to ask you how how's it going with the with the trade shows and everything.
2: Well, I I just got back from. <clears throat> fan expo vancouver yeah which was my my first show of the year nice um they got incredibly lucky the capacity limits for events in british columbia were lifted on the wednesday at midnight and the show started on the saturday so it was like right down to the wire before they knew for sure it was happening um and it was crazy busy it was packed. There were lots of times when it was shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder in all the aisles, and uh, it was a very, very busy show. The sales were excellent, and uh, I'm still kind of tired from the long show and the long drive there and back.
3: Hell yeah, I love to hear it. love it. So it, it, it bodes
2: well for the rest of the year, because going forward it appears that, restrictions will continue to be getting lifted all across the country Mm -hmm. and uh i think this is finally the year when COVID is at least COVID restrictions are over and all the shows go nuts so i think i'm gonna be a pretty busy fella this (laughs) year that's what i think it's a good problem to have oh heck yeah we had a year and a half of doing almost nothing so
1: yeah Yeah, I was going to say COVID doesn't seem to be going anywhere, because it seems like everyone around me has it or has had it.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. We're still going to have COVID. I just don't think we're going to have restrictions anymore.
1: Yeah, it seems like uh, hospitalizations are going down, so that's good.
2: Yep, yep. That's, That's the part that matters.
3: Eventually, I hope they'll just transfer it to endemic, where it just becomes like, you know, flu season, COVID season, you know, and then we just move on, because... That's what we need to do. We need to move on and go forward and upward. Onward and upward, as they say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, we've learned our lessons this time around, like this once-in-a-century thing. I have a feeling it's going to happen again. Like, but
3: well, It's, it's going to happen in about 100 <clears throat> years. It hopefully. seems to be every 100 years there's something, you know, 1920, 1820. I think timeline seems to
4: line up, so who knows? Yeah.
3: Well I don't every I don't think it'll years, be my problem by
2: then.
4: Every hundred years China creates a naturally occurring bat virus?
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: that
4: sounds about right. Just a little humor there, folks. Lighten yep. up. Come on, please. <laughs> Take it easy. Ooh, tough room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well what's
1: what's funny is uh there was a movie that uh came out. Back, I want to say 2011. It was with Gwyneth Paltrow and Matt Damon, and it was kind of like you know like a pandemic type of thing.
4: Contagion. And, yeah, Contagion. With I, um, Morpheus, uh, what the hell? Lawrence Fishburne. Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I never actually watched it, but I did watch one of those movie recap videos um, on YouTube where it, it breaks down in like ten to fifteen minutes. But anyway, the the where you find out how she got infected was she was eating. She was in China. She was eating in a Chinese food restaurant, and what happened was a bat had fallen down into, like, a pig pen, and the pig ate it, and it yeah. was infected. And then at the Chinese food restaurant, the, the chef was chopping up the pig that was infected, and he, and he had the blood on him, like his hands and stuff, and he never washed his hands, and then he, sh- he shook her hand, and, and that's how it all started, right? So, hmm. I mean... It's just crazy that a movie like that came out in 2011 kind of like predicted what was going to happen. Because I imagine something very similar is the cause of all this.
4: I watched that movie movie in April of 2020. Wow. Like two weeks after they declared the pandemic. And I was like, holy crap. (laughs) This is is a lot like, like they're saying all the same things like the social distancing measures and all that stuff that we were hearing for the first time they were saying in the movie in 2011. So I was like, uh, (laughs) yeah, which I hadn't watched this now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's funny how stuff can foreshadow things. Like I remember, and I've mentioned this before, like not on this podcast, but on pop culture pub, um, the, the pilot episode for the X-Files spinoff, the lone gunman, uh, they came out in January, 2001. And the pilot episode was about, uh, hackers hacking into an airplane and they were gonna fly it into the World Trade Center. And then the Lone Gunman hacked the hackers and, and saved the day, right? But it was Oops. crazy when September eleventh happened because I was like, that's that's the pilot episode of the Lone Gunman. I couldn't believe it. It was like That's yeah, bananas. It's crazy. It is crazy. But anywho, um, we're here to talk about oh, there's something else I was gonna bring up too. Um, oh, Star Trek trailers? Is that something that came out? Oh, um, I was going to mention again because I, 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 uh, I love to, to shit on Star Trek Discovery. Um, <laughs> but they got changelings on Star Trek Discovery now. Um, and this guy, there, there's this guy that does YouTube video. I wish I had, uh, um, his channel name i hopefully i'll remember it for next time but what he does is he calls out discovery for their continuity errors um so anyway this change like because this is like the 31st century or whatever when they capture it it looks kind of like like uh, the female founder right but but it's not the same actress, and the makeup, of course, because Star Trek Discovery, they make the aliens look different for some reason. Like the Klingons don't look like Klingons. They look like orcs. Um, yeah. The Ferengi look weird now.
3: Um,
1: the only ones that look the, the same are the Vulcans. So that's basically it. But I guess you can't screw, screw that up too much.
3: Um, don't give them any ideas, Chris. Yeah.
1: Um, but this video, it was what? Well, You know, they capture this changeling, and then when she turns into, like, a normal, like, like a humanoid, she looks kind of like the female changeling. But again, you know, this is Star Trek Discovery not getting continuity right. The reason why the female changeling looked like the way she did is because they, and the others like her, is they're basing their appearances on Odo. Like, um Uh. like, uh... O- and Odo based like his, his hairstyle, like the slicked back hairstyle. He based that off of Doctor, um, the, the Mora.
0: The,
1: yeah, Doctor Mora, the Mora, the, the, yeah. the Bajoran that that uh, found him and uh, was you know teaching him how to you know be a humanoid. Um, so the so when Odo encountered the changelings in the season three premiere, they and they came out of the, like the the ocean there of changelings and and took humanoid form. They were basing their looks on Odo. That's not actually how they would normally look, like, cause, cause they're better changelings. They could look like anybody. Um, but that's what they were basing it on. So why would this changeling in the thirty-first century, where discovery takes place now, why <clears throat> would, why would he or she look like that? Like it doesn't make sense at this point. Like that's not actually what they look like. Like we've never actually seen what uh, the changelings originally look like other than you know when they're in their gelatinous state. I mean I guess that's technically what they look like. gel. Um, and then they just take humanoid forms, but yeah, it just once again, Star Trek discovered. and uh, most recently they did an episode. like I don't watch it, but I'm wa- I'm getting my information from this youtuber. They did an episode where they're they're leaving the galaxy or something. And no starship has ever done this in Starfleet history, forgetting that the Enterprise D did it in the first season when they like went through like how many galaxies?
4: Yeah, with the Traveler.
1: Yeah, and then uh, the original series episode where those um, pe- those people from the Andorian or from uh, the Andromeda galaxy steal the original Enterprise because they want to go home, so they're using the Enterprise and they actually leave the galaxy with the Enterprise.
3: Um, also... also there was another, I think season four, um, Lieutenant Barkley took control of the ship and went to another galaxy and met up with the Scytherians.
1: Well, that was actually the center of our galaxy where he took them to.
3: Was it? A, cause I thought it was a, a completely different galaxy cause they're so far away. And
1: well, m- well, maybe it Picard was
4: remarks that it's the center of the galaxy.
1: But but either way, you know, like like those I don't know those writers on Discovery suck. Like they just ign- you know ignore everything. And I saw a Alex Kurtzman interview where he's like, you know, there's so much Star Trek, you can, you know, you can no one can keep it straight. It's like bullshit, man. Except like for
4: the Legion of Fans.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Except for, you know, like hire somebody to keep it straight for you. But they don't want they don't want that, right? They just want to do their own thing, which is fine. Just say that. Don't, you know, don't pretend this is continuity. That this all ties together. Because it doesn't.
3: It's ret-continuity is what it is. Yeah. But,
1: anyway, I saw that and I was like, I'm going to rant about that. And I, I, I <laughs> Next time I'll, I'll bring that YouTuber's uh, name because, yeah, that was... He does good things because it's funny how he'll, like, they'll, he'll contradict them. It's great. Um... All right, well, let's talk about some good Star Trek. And we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise uh, Season 4.0. Now, where we left off, um, they they had saved Earth. Captain Archer seemingly was dead. And then the Enterprise enters Earth orbit. And then they find themselves in the 1940s, but this is a different 1940s because the Nazis have invaded North America. And then we we see Doctor Archer or Doctor Archer Captain Archer uh, waking up in a hospital, um, in a Nazi hospital, and then we see an alien in a Nazi uniform. So, you know what the heck's going on here? Um, so let's kick it off. This is episode 1 of season 4, episode 77 of the series. It's called Stormfront. Date Unknown, directed by Alan Croker, written by Manny Koto, Original air date, October 8th, 2004. Um, so, uh, in the episode, after destroying the Zindi weapon, the Enterprise finds itself in 20th century... During World War II, with Nazis in control of the Northeastern USA, Captain Archer joined Silic to stop the alien Nazis, restore the timeline, and end the temporal Cold War. Uh, The episode featured the return of several recurring characters, as well as stunt casting in the form of appearances by actors from other contemporary series. Golden Brooks, Joe Maruzzo, and Steve Sharipa, who was uh, Bobby Baclaw on The Sopranos. These were the first episodes of the franchise to be shot digitally rather than using film stock, and the filming of the two halves were completed together over 14 days. The first part was seen by 2.89 million viewers, increasing to 3.11 for the second episode. Stormfront was poorly received by critics with complaints directed at the pace of the episode, the ending of the temporal cold war, and the general premise itself. Um... I kind of agree with that. I I really I guess this is more for episode two. Well why don't we treat this as as episodes combined? So Stormfront, and then I'll go into Stormfront part two, which is episode two of the season, seventy-eighth of the series. Uh, this one was directed by David Stratton. Again, it was written by Manny Koto, so both episodes were written by him. Original air date, October 15th, 2004. Um, so, I'll, I'll go into the synopsis of... Well, I guess it's the same synopsis. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, Archer's in uh, helping them fight the Nazis, and Silic is there. And by the end of episode two, Silic is killed, uh, which... I really did not like. I did not like that at all. You know, honestly, I didn't really care for this two-part. I think I mentioned that last episode that I didn't like that they left this series, you know, season three on a cliffhanger like this. Just because, you know, season three was so heavy, I just wanted to see a resolution. So to have to wait to find out what happened, really, I, I really didn't like it this time around. Um, and I didn't like that they ended the temporal cold war because that was one of my favorite, you know, underlying plot lines of enterprise. Like I, like I, I understand having to end it at some point, but the way it ended like this kind of felt, um, it felt unresolved. Like I I actually didn't realize it ended after part two, to be honest with you. Um,
4: felt hasty and rushed. And and I, I don't think. and
1: we we never did find out who that who Silic was working for, right? Like we assumed it was a Romulan, but we don't know.
3: I always wanted to you know, know who the future man was.
1: Yeah. So that
4: so that <laughs> that's my thoughts. I was I wasn't
3: a big fan of this two parter, to be honest
1: with you. Um, Curtis, what are your thoughts?
4: Well, Ragnar knows what I was about to say. Star Trek, <laughs> Star Trek Online. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a lot oh, more resolution God. in You're... Star Trek Online than you get in the show. I can't help that they cleaned up the storylines better than... Star... Yeah, Star
1: Trek Online <laughs> is really good that way.
4: <clears throat> but no, I, I too received this episode very poorly. Um, I, for the same reasons as the critics, the pacing was weird. I don't like the way they got rid of Silic. I feel like yeah. he had a lot more life left in him. Mm-hmm. And John Fleck deserved better than that.
1: Oh yeah, great actor. Uh,
4: Yeah, I I don't like how crammed in and rushed and forced the ending of the cold temporal cold Cold War timeline was. Mm -hmm. I just didn't buy into it at all, and the the entire premise. Don't even get me started. Like, even if World War II had gone a different way, I don't think the usa would have been invaded that's extremely unlikely so buying and trying to buy into that was difficult um and a- anytime a show has to devolve into unnecessarily throwing in you know spectacular looking hugo boss designed uniforms i mean if you can't say anything else nice then you got to admit those things do look good but if you have to stoop to throwing them into an episode and. I don't know. I think it's a weak and cheap way to write a show. So if you got to go that way, yeah, I kind of
1: suspect um, that they knew they were on a bubble. Like you know, because we got to remember at this point, uh, since Next Generation, it was never really a question that you know would a Star Trek series be canceled. You know, like it, like they all, you know, like uh, uh, TNG, Deep Space Nine voyager they all did their seven seasons they all ended on um their terms but i think with enterprise because it was on upn it was a network show you know and ratings really matter for networks um mm-hmm. i think you know during season 3 i think they were seeing the writing on the wall and were like uh they might actually cancel us. So the, I think they did the whole like space Nazi reveal at the end of Season 3 as a stunt to kind of mm. make, make it so that, hey, you can't cancel us. We We didn't resolve this. So I think that's kind of what they were doing. Because halfway through Season 4, UPN announced that they were canceling
4: enterprise yes I, I understand but i don't know i just yeah. i did not enjoy these no episodes. I, I, I didn't either i made myself watch them again so that we could talk about it because i didn't want to make the same mistake we made last time where none of us could remember any of the episodes <laughs> but uh i didn't enjoy watching by any means it no. was just kind of cringy and yeah
1: yeah i agree i mean i, I the only thing thing i like it, it didn't
4: it, feel like star trek you know no
1: the only thing I, I didn't mind was uh, seeing Steve uh, Sharipa, because uh, I love uh, the Sopranos, and uh, Bobby was one of my favorite characters
2: on that show. So yeah, like, he, he was he was great in these these. He was in two of these episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, the first two. Yeah, and that was, that was fun.
1: Yeah, and. Like I like I, right now I'm listening to the audiobook. Well, I'm almost done it uh it's uh the oral history of the sopranos and it's written by him and um, the guy who played Christopher, uh, Michael Imperioli. And Steve Sharipa, like prior to the Sopranos, like really didn't do any acting. Like he was like a he was a Las Vegas guy. Like he used to like MC and and do Vegas shows and stuff. Um hmm. But they, you know, I guess there's only so many Italian actors in New York that, you know, they didn't want to keep reusing the same actors. So somehow he, his agent got a call like, hey, you want to audition for The Sopranos? So he came out and, you know, for season two and, and joined the show. So when this episode aired of Enterprise, Sopranos was in its fifth season at the time. So, like, he was still, you know... In the midst of that show, Um, so I guess it was kind of stunt casting to have him on there because you know that's how I knew him best. Um, But anyway, Ragnar, uh, what are your thoughts on the these two part, these two part episodes?
2: Well, I don't have a whole lot to say that wasn't said. Um, I feel like they could have done a heck of a lot more with the Nazi angle. It definitely felt just kind of like thrown in, and they didn't really build on it. And I mean. Especially in cinema, Nazis are the ultimate evil bad guys. They could have mm-hmm. done more with that, and then you it, know it almost felt like this could have been a much bigger storyline. And then because they didn't do that, it felt a little bit cheapened. Like, oh, okay, well, that was interesting, I guess. Uh, certainly wasn't bad. Don't, don't take, don't take that to mean that like, oh, this sucked. Just, I think they had an opportunity. They could have done a lot more with it than they, than they did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, as a whole, it was, it was cool. It was fun. And, you know, World War Two is one of my favorite parts of history to revisit, especially in television or film. So, you know. Even though they didn't go super deep into it, it was still fun. And uh, I was just going to mention, you know, there was a TV show. It's on Amazon called The Man in the High Castle. Yeah. About an alternate timeline where America was invaded. Yep. uh, And lost World War II. I only watched the first few episodes. It did not grab me at all. Um, it went on for many seasons, and I think the ultimate concept was that the whole thing was kind of like a hoax or something. I'm not clear, but, um, anyways, if you're in, if someone is interested in that, that would probably be the show to check out.
1: Yeah, that was always on my list of, you know, t- to do, to watch, but I, I heard it did not end well. Like, I guess the last season or two, like, it got really weird. Um, so... I kind of trusted the guy that was telling me that. He said, like, the first couple seasons it was awesome and you thought it was going to go the certain way and that it didn't. Uh, so, but anywho. Uh, Richard, your thoughts on this two-parter?
3: I don't know that I have a lot more than what was already said because I do agree with pretty well everything. But I have a couple of uh, fun facts. Is that this episode is one of two. That takes place entirely in a different time period. Another one being an episode of TOS, which mm. is kind of cool because there's nothing about the future at all. And um, the second in command of the alien race of you know Nazi wearing uniform guys, his name is Garath, and he was also Tuvix in Voyager, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool, I think. Oh, and they don't, that's cool. They don't <laughs> say neat. it. They don't say it in the episode But the name of the species is the Nikul And I wish they would have Because that's kind of a cool name <laughs>
2: and pun intended
3: Always, always intend your puns And also, last fun fact um, With the addition of that episode Enterprise is the only series of Star Trek To start a fourth season Without having any change in its um, primary cast Since its pilot episode Hmm. Aside from that um, hmm. I don't have a lot to say about that episode Because it honestly Wasn't that good And it was, like you said, it was rushed And it just didn't feel right And I agree with Curtis like, It's sort of a I don't know, I guess low-hanging fruit To throw in, like Oh, it's the Nazis I mean, yeah, Nazis This, Nazis, yeah, that You
4: know where Nazis belong? In Indiana Jones movies Not in Star Yeah Trek.
3: Yeah, exactly. And we, even though the, even in TOS they had some of that during that time, but either yeah. way, they could have done something more.
4: Well, I mean, if you're better. produced at a time where it's still topical, that's something else entirely. But here, oh, exactly, 50 years later, well, right? seventy years later, now.
1: I I think one of the reason like why they like I mean they did the Nazi Planet episode on TOS. The reason why they did that, one of the reasons, as well as I think this two parter is it actually is a cost-saving thing because they could actually use existing sets that are on the lot for, right. for for the episode. And, and of course, every studio has Nazi uniforms because every studio's done, you know, had Nazis in a movie at right. some point. So, I keep
4: forgetting that pesky detail that these shows cost money to make.
2: Yeah, like... God, that's yeah.
4: inconvenient.
2: <laughs> so Especially Enterprise, you can really see there's some budget constraints in this <clears throat> Yeah, I really think this was one of them. Really feels like this isn't quite what they wanted to do. This is the best they could do.
1: Yeah, I, I think it probably come from up top. Like, you guys need to, you know, we can't be, you know, creating all this futuristic sets anymore. We need to use something that we've already got. Um, because I think like that. I can't remember the name of the episode, but the TOS episode where it's like Nazi planet. I think that came about because they had just done a movie, so they had all these sets and all these costumes, and they're like, "Well, let's just do Nazi Planet," you know, and then they just <laughs> wrote, they just wrote it to accommodate it, um, because yeah, that was a yeah, you know, in TNG, like the Nazis were, yeah, you know, the Cardassians were the stand-in for the Nazis; they didn't have to.
4: You well, and do that's it, like I was, I was going to comment on that, but we, we've we've sort of gone on a little bit. But since we went there, I'll say it. Like when it's not quite so on the nose, you know, you can mm-hmm. you still have your messaging in there. It's the same thing. We all knew, you know, what the Cardassian M- Union was based on. We knew yep. what the Bajorans were modeled after. Yeah, it, it didn't need to be. You know, here's a Hugo Boss uniform.
1: You know, yeah,
4: I like subtlety.
1: Exactly, and and and. Again, that's the problem with modern Star Trek, is there's no subtlety at all. Like, there's no, you know, good Star Trek doesn't beat you over the head with, uh, you know, their message, right?
0: Right, and it
4: lets the audience fill in their own blanks, and then because of Star Trek magic, every audience member comes to the same, you know, we all put the same word in all the same blanks, and we all figure it out, and that's what makes it cool.
1: Yep. And sometimes you, know. you don't figure it out. Sometimes it's not until someone points it out, and you're like, "Yeah, I guess that is an allegory for whatever." Which is also cool. Yeah, like I mean, Cause it, then
4: you get to stand outside at a Star Trek convention, having a cigarette and talking to somebody. Yeah, because that's where that comes up.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not like you know, uh, Discovery, where it's like you got to have the message, you know, like, and it just, uh, it's just so so annoying.
4: Our audience are infants, and we need to spoon feed not- them. And that you know that's not my only complaint with the new Star Trek.
2: It is one of them, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of other things wrong with the new Star Trek. That's just one of the things that we, that really grates on us. Yeah, because, like you know yeah. they, they went wrong in more ways than just trying to rub it in your face with how woke they are. Yeah, there's a lot of like bad writing and major plot holes and. You know, yeah, yeah. Char- characters are. characters that do things they should they you know, they shouldn't be able to get away with. And then they do. Well, yeah, and- there's a lot of problems besides just them being, you know, and- too in your face with their mm-hmm. subtle messaging.
1: Well, it's not mm-hmm. even subtle. Like some of it, they just beat you over the yeah. head with it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what drives me nuts. Um, is, you know, like it should be Star Trek should be, you know, you should be able to go into it and escape from reality. You should be able to just sit there for 45 minutes or whatever, you know, drink a beer or soda or whatever, and just enjoy watching what you're watching. Not, oh, well, that means that, and this means that, and, oh, they're trying, you know. Like, it's supposed to be an escape, not, you know, you're confronting today's issues and having it thrown in your face. Like, if I want that, I'd watch the news. Like, I, I don't I, need that in my my science fiction. Oh like, yeah, good, I, like, good I, science fiction does it subtly. It doesn't, I, you know, beat you over the face with it.
2: I, I agree with you, and I also, throwing, throwing back to what we were talking about just a couple minutes ago, it's so frustrating for me to watch the Carter Discovery, where they clearly had the massive budget to do whatever they wanted with,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and then they wasted it and i'm like man imagine what enterprise would have done with a budget like this or what ds9 would have done with a budget like this it breaks my heart that the shows who got the budgets were the ones that suck and these great shows had to you know not quite run on a shoestring budget but certainly not have a grandiose budget like the newer ones do. well
1: and what they're spending their budget on in my mind is a waste um like I hate like one thing I hate about you know, we're off on a tangent now. One of the things I hate about modern <laughs> Star Trek is how fake the bridges look because everything's like CGI like it's all like they're just standing yep. with green screens around them and yep. you can tell like like uh, the especially the like bridge on whatever that uh, Captain Rios' ship was called it's total CGI like it didn't it didn't feel real at all like at least like Enterprise you know, they actually built a set and it feels like lived in. Like, you know, you can actually go there and touch the buttons and pretend. Um, whereas like modern Star Trek, it's all green screen and fake and, you know, and lens flares. And,
2: uh. Yeah, I, I, I agree that you, you get a better performance too out of your actors when they're on a real set. Mm-hmm. So just to go off on a quick tangent here. One of the things that I loved about The Mandalorian when I watched the behind-the-scenes documentary
0: mm-hmm.
2: was that, yes, lots of it was added digitally.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: but the, So they're in a set. Let's say they're in on the deserts of Tatooine. So there's actual sand that the actors are walking on. Yep. And if there's any props, like a table or something, that's actually there. But all the background is filled in digitally. However, it's not a green screen; it was actually projected onto a screen, so both the actors and the camera can see it in real time. That's I thought, which is
4: that's ironic because it was Lucasfilm and yeah. uh, his company that invented green screen tech. Yeah. Well, this
2: is this is just the next the next iteration, it right? Like the next generation of it. mm Hmm because now the actors can see what they're supposed to look at they don't have to have it described and then pretend they can actually see it and then when they're filming the show okay oh we need a tree added in the background there well there's a you know there's three dudes sitting at a computer station on the set that can add that tree in or oh we need the light to be brighter or we need the mm-hmm. you know the shadows and the sun to move they can just do it on set which a, you get a way stronger performance out of the actors because they can see it all, and B, it's so much cheaper when you edit because all that shit's already done. You don't have to go in and add it. Yeah. Uh, and then also, as an added bonus, you could have cut um, characters wear things that are the same green as the green screen, and it wouldn't wouldn't get complicated in editing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I just thought it was really neat. Um and that's a technology I assume we're going to see more and more shows use, and I think that's great. Um, it allows filmmakers to be more creative, and it allows actors to experience more of it in real time, which I think makes for a
4: better performance.
0: Yep. Yep.
4: It's sure. a very well-thought-out tangent, Ragnar. Good one, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. And it's it's a short season, so I think tangents are probably okay this episode.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and and like the Orville, for example... It's a real set. Like, that's one of the reasons why I love it. And the special effects are practical. Like, they have some digital special effects, but, you know, like the ship the shots, you know, traveling through space, like, that's an actual model. And you can tell the difference. Like, I don't care what anyone says. Like, I, I, I know Discovery doesn't actually exist. But I yeah. know but I know Voyager does.
2: Yeah, and when you... I mean, the, or, the Orville is essentially a love letter to yes. Star Trek. Yeah. And it, you know... It's basically just Star Trek, but with a sense of humor. And, yeah, it's when I when I want to watch Star Trek that I haven't seen before, or have only seen once or twice, I watch The Orbit. Yep. And I am super stoked that there's another season coming out soon. Yep. And I don't even intend to watch the next season of Picard. You know, you can. And if you <laughs> tell me, oh, no, it's amazing, they fixed all the problems, okay, I'll watch it, but... I, I, I'm not I, expecting to
1: hear that. I can already tell you I'm going to hate it. I already know it. Like, I, I, like I'm, I'm, like, John Delancey's in it, and I'm like, uh, maybe, uh, you know, but, uh, again, I think, because uh, we're talking about, you know, them filming on sets and stuff, um, existing sets, I think the reason why they're going to the, tw- like, because it's a time travel premise that's coming up this season of Picard, right. and they're in the 21st century. Like, obviously, I think they cut their budget and they need to, like, film, like, in downtown L.A. so they don't have to spend a bunch of money on sets.
2: Yeah, because as much as they tried to make it out that Picard was a huge hit and it was very successful, it wasn't. No. And it wasn't even that a lot of diehard fans like us boycotted the show. A lot of people either never heard about it or just never bothered to watch it. Yeah, and, I mean, I tried, man. I think they had a marketing problem where the – I think I genuinely think a huge pop, chunk of the population didn't even know the show existed. Yeah,
3: and yeah. for good reason. The show was really bad. And yeah. then on
2: top of that, most of the diehard Trekkies like us hated it and said nothing good about it. So, you know, between the two, that's not drawing a crowd to it. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's. It, I just. It's. I just wish Seth MacFarl- They'd give Seth MacFarlane the keys to Star Trek. Like oh, he, he would bring it back. I'd, oh. And apparently he wants to. Like, he... he oh, yeah. Uh, he submitted a proposal to Paramount, but they said no, and then he went and made the Orville. Yeah. So, and, cle- and,
2: clearly know, his... By, by the end of... By, like, mid-season in season two of the Orville, you're like, why the fuck don't they just let this guy make an actual Star Trek? He He gets what's supposed to happen here.
0: Yeah,
1: like, the first season with the Orville, especially the first episodes, like, I understood, like, he... He sold it to Fox because they, they were like, well, it's going to be like Family Guy in Space, you know. And then eventually he kind of got away from that, right? Like where it was a little bit more serious and yep. you know, more like Star Trek. And that I think that's what he wanted to do from the start, but he had to, you know, he had to appease his studio, right? Yeah. So clearly if he had, if he had got that Star Trek proposal, we would have got something like the Orville. And it just makes me sad that, you know, we got Discovery instead. Yep, I agree. Anyway, on that sad note, let's move on. Um, So the next episode is episode 79 of the series, third of the season, and that is Home, Date Unknown, directed by Alan Croker, uh, written by Mike Sussman, original air date October 22nd, 2004. Enterprise welcomed home after saving Earth, and the crew takes a much-needed vacation. Tucker and T'Pol visit Vulcan, where T'Pol must consider marriage to Koss. Erica Hernandez becomes captain of the Columbia and renews her acquaintance with Archer. Phlox encounters prejudice on Earth. Um, was this the one where Phlox got, like, beat up? I think. No,
3: no, no. Well, he was involved in a bar fight. Well, outside involvement. But, yeah, he was not having a good time when they went to a restaurant called Madame... Chang's,
4: I think. No, he yeah. he didn't go to that one. Hoshi and he were supposed to go to get the egg drop soup or something, but no, he was in a bar with Malcolm and... Um, uh, Reed, I think. Well, Malcolm Reed and uh, the helmsman. Anthony oh, Wincomer. Mayweather. Mayweather. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, he was in a bar, and the guy came up and said, you know, maybe, maybe you'd have more fun Drinking somewhere else, you know.
0: Mm hmm.
4: Alien person. And, uh, the, Malcolm and, um, Mayweather got into a fight you know, on Flock's behalf. They had, they oh, had a scuffle. That's
3: right. It's when he blew up his face like a pufferfish. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And also, this episode, we got to meet to T- Paul's mom, Tales. Um, who is also hot like her daughter. So, there there is that. Um, yeah, this was, this was an alright episode. This, I, I don't know, I kind of wish, if, you know, like, if we didn't end season three on that cliffhanger, I wanted season four just, you know, be like six months later and the enterprise is fixed and, and everything's back to normal and, like, I kind of wish we would have just jumped that. Like, I didn't really need this episode. Um, but it wasn't bad or anything, by any means. Uh, Ragnar, wh- what are your thoughts on this episode? Ragnar? Oh, hang on. Oh. Uh, well, I'll go with Rich. Rich, what are your thoughts on this episode?
3: Honestly, it was all right. Sorry, but Sorry
2: if... about that. I was just grabbing a drink.
1: Oh, it's all good. It's all good.
3: It just, it, it felt like uh, a filler episode, you know? Yeah there was three three plots going on and it was kind of back and forth. I think they should kind of stick with like an A plot and a B plot and having like an additional like you know stuff going on just seems kind of shoved in there. <clears throat> Archer you know he hooks back up with Hernandez. You know she she's the captain of the Columbia and then they go all the way over to Vulcan. You know um, Tucker's in love with to Paul, and, and he's selflessly, he's like, you know what, I'm not going to put that pressure on her, and she's going to, you know, marry Koss, because that's the thing she needs to do to restore her mother's position, things like that. And then the whole situation with um, with, with the bar fight and all that. It, it was alright. I don't know if it was my favorite episode. It feels like it's skippable, but I just learned that they were talking about a Captain... Jeffries and maybe that's the guy they named the Jeffries tubes after I have to look into that. That sounds cool, but I don't have anything else to say about the episode. It was just kind of just like a filler, you know, like a, you know, middle of the road episode.
1: Well, um, the Jeffries tubes originally was up behind the scenes, was named after Matt Jeffries who d- uh, did a lot of the designs for, um, the original series. Um, and yeah, there were tubes. Like, there was that one that Scotty always used to go in to fix things. Um, so this episode also marked the return of Admiral Forrest, uh, Gray, Gary, Graham as Saval, and also, I didn't realize this, um, uh, one of the Vulcans, the Vulcan High Priest, I think it was, uh, or Vulcan Priest, was played by an actor named Jack Donner, who actually played in the original series episode, uh, The Enterprise Incident. He was Sub-Commander Tal. Um, So, yeah. So he actually appeared in the original series uh, in the third season. So,
2: Hmm. uh, But, Ragnar, your thoughts on this episode? Well, I'm pretty much just going to echo what Richard said. Um, Yeah. Definitely kind of felt like a filler episode, and it was like each of these subplots isn't exciting enough to make a whole episode, so we'll just throw in an extra subplot. Maybe that'll make an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, not really terrible, but you know, you could skip this episode and it's not really going to change too much. Yeah, I mean, I guess the stuff with T'Pol and and Trip is kind of. I guess important, but like, I'm pretty sure you could skip this episode and you could still figure out what's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, filler, filler episode. Not bad, but, you know, skippable. Yep.
1: And Curtis, your thoughts?
4: While I agree that it's a filler sort of episode, I wouldn't skip it. I enjoy this episode because there's little subtleties going on that... are pretty easy to miss. And if you skip it, you obviously miss them because you want to watch the damn thing. But if you pay attention, so Vol, during their debrief where Archer's telling him, you know, what happened, they get to the part with the Vulcan ship they found <clears> in the expanse <throat> that had the Vulcan crewman on it. And it almost seems like so is a little bit emotional about that. Cause he, he starts, he stutters a little bit. I watched the scene a few times. because I was like, what the hell? He actually stutters and his inflection varies from higher pitches to lower pitches by, by like octaves more than normal, which maybe I'm just picking it apart. But it seemed like he was getting really emotional and trying to provoke Archer into into a response. Like, and he gets mm. offended at the idea that Vulcans weren't more helpful to humans. And he gets really offended when Archer says he got more help from the Andorians. And I took this as the first uh, the the first sign that he's he's sort of an unusual Vulcan. Um, And in this episode, we also see that T'Pol, that we all, we I mean, we already knew T'Pol was an unusual Vulcan, Mm -hmm. but her mother as well. Um, T'Pol gets downright emotional when she's dealing with Koss when he first shows up and they're talking in the courtyard. Yeah, because obviously she's got feelings for. Tucker, who she calls Trip, for the very first time that I can remember in this episode, when they're standing on the on the mountainside looking out at the lava or whatever the heck. Um, when when T'Pol tells Tucker that she's going to marry Koss, mm-hmm. she calls him she calls him Trip, which was weird because he was always Commander Tucker to T'Pol, right? So anyway, T'Pol gets emotional when she's dealing with Koss, and it also kind of seems like T'Pol's mother isn't thrilled about to Paul's marrying Cost. to Paul marrying Cost,
0: mm-hmm.
4: But I think that was her motivation to prompt Tucker to tell to Paul that he loves her, you know, before the wedding. Yep. And it's, it was the first clue that while she seems to on the outside to support traditional Vulcan culture and values and stuff, it's almost like she harbors a secret, you know, if not outright rejection, at least a bit of a dissatisfaction
0: mm-hmm.
4: with how things go. Because that was a monkey wrench when she pushed Tucker to tell Paul that he loved her. That's yeah. a monkey wrench. For for Vulcans? Are you kidding me? And then, of course, in a few episodes, we'll figure out that, no, Paul's mother is not your average Vulcan, and she's not happy with the status quo. But we'll yeah. talk about that when we get there. <laughs> yep. And then, finally, I'll just talk about Archer we really get to see, like, this... Well, we're used to seeing this hardened version of Archer after Season 3, but it's almost like he's finally, because he's not so busy and and dealing with just, you know, thing after thing, he's finally seeing that Archer for the first time, even though we've gotten to see him for a whole season. Mm -hmm. And it's bugging him, and so that's why he heads out climbing. And... I think that is, like, it, it just plays right out. He gets irritated because the other captain is just like he used to be before all this bullshit happened. And he's. it's almost like he's mad that he's lost his own innocence, I think. So while, yes, you could skip this episode, I think there's some stuff there that's worth watching at least once. I like this episode yep. myself. Excellent.
3: I can agree with that, definitely.
1: Yeah, yep, me
4: too. Um...
1: All right, well, next episode is episode 80 of the series, fourth of the season, and it's Borderland. Uh, the date is May 17th, 2154, directed by David Livingston, written by Ken Lezebnik. Original air date, October 29th, 2004. Dr. Eric Soon restores his relationship with his genetically enhanced children, The Augments. Ah,
0: uh, oh, yes.
1: So, yeah, they end up, uh, these augments end up stealing a Klingon bird of prey, and so Archer enlists the help of Dr. Eric Soon, played by Brent Spiner, uh, to lead the pursuit. Uh, they are attacked by the Orions, and a bunch of crew members are abducted, and basically sold as slaves, uh, by the Orions, um... This is the first part of a three-episode arc. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, Brent Spiner is back on Star Trek as Dr. Eric Soon, whom I'm assuming would be the grandpa or great-grandpa of Dr. and Soon. Um, I really like the actress, Abby Brammel who plays Persis. Uh, very beautiful. Um, she's been in... I know she was on Bosch for a season and she's been on in other things as well um but yeah very beautiful uh the big show uh the wrestler was in this episode he was the orion slaver number one um
4: that's what that is Jeez, i've been trying to figure out why he was familiar for so long
1: oh yeah sorry to interrupt he's the big show and and we should point out uh like this uh series aired on upn and at the time uh, WWE Smackdown also aired on UPN. Um, so you, you, you know, like The Rock appeared on an episode of Voyager. Big Show was in this series. Um, he's the one that picks up, uh, to Paul and like shakes her like she's like a, like a little baby or something. Um, which you shouldn't do. You should not shake a baby, or at the
3: Never shake a baby.
1: But that's what essentially uh, what he was doing at the because she's so little compared to him. Um, and JG Hertzler, everyone's favorite Klingon, played the Klingon captain in this episode.
4: Um, for like eight seconds before yeah. he got roasted.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I. Uh, so anyway, um, for this episode, I loved it. I gotta say, like this, this is uh, I think when, from in my opinion, this is when Enterprise really kind of hit the ground running on season four was this episode. I love the idea of bringing Brent, Brent Spiner into this, playing a soon. I think that's great. Um, not great on Star Trek: Picard, but great here. Um, of course, like back then, I was I used to watch WWE uh, SmackDown, so when I saw the Big Show, I was I thought that was really cool. Um. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. I thought the I thought the bird of prey looked awesome in this episode, and uh, yeah, it was all around. It was uh, uh, the great kickoff to uh, a good three parter, in my opinion. Uh, Richard, your thoughts?
3: I too am a big fan of this arc. Uh, a lot to do with the fact that Brent Spiner came back, but I also really enjoy the um, the concept of the Augments.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, granted they're they're megalomaniac, power-hungry, you know, psychopaths. Which that aside, the concept is really cool. They're obviously faster, stronger, smarter, and they completely overwhelm a Klingon ship, a battle-hardened, seasoned ship. And overwhelmed in seconds. Yep. And I thought that was uh, pretty dang cool. And it does definitely kick off a, uh, a really good three-part arc. And just as a side note, ninety-nine percent of people look small next to the Big Show. Oh yeah. I, in fact, would look small next to the Big Show, and yeah. I'm not a small person by and large. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, but- it was a great episode. I thought that the the idea of bringing back the, the soons, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um Aric soon being probably my favorite soon because I got to see more of him. We barely got to see Noanion soon, unfortunately. Would have been really cool to see more of him. And just the relationship You know, even though he'd been away for so many years, he went back and his children, you know, at the beginning, it was all, it was all great and lovely. And I definitely feel sad for, uh, which one was the, the runt of the
4: litter? Was that Malik?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, no, Malik was, I think. He's not in
4: this one. He's in the next one.
1: I think Malik, isn't isn't he the, the lead one? Yeah,
4: Yeah, he's the,
3: he's the normal one. The one who
4: takes over.
3: Yeah. Oh right, Malik is the yeah, the bad guy. So yeah, like the everything about it was really good. I liked the the interplay, you know, the social dynamics. You know, of course, like in a power struggle with with the leader of the uh, the augments, and then of course the the guy who wants to be the leader, and then of course there has to be a woman involved, mm-hmm. you know, because that's you know, happens and whatnot. And I did love that the big show was was the Orion Trader. Because he could just pick up these people and be like, here you go, take a look. No big deal. Most people can't do that. And, yeah, I thought it was great. I love this arc. This is awesome. But that's all I can say and specifically remember. I'll pass it off now.
1: Yeah, honestly, if this, had, in my opinion, if this had been, like, the first episode of the season, like, if season three had ended with them going home and and you know, and a happy ending and and this was the first episode of season 4. It would have been like I think it would have done a lot more for the show. Um because they really Possibly. Possibly, yeah.
3: The home episode I think could have been adapted to a better like season premiere as opposed to the Cold War which obviously yeah. nobody really cared for. Yeah. If we could have started off with like, you know, a few months later everything's cool, this is what happened in that time. You know, maybe make it a two parter, give it some more um, depth and some more life into the home episode, which, you know, as Curtis pointed out, there was a lot of really cool, you know, hidden mm-hmm. things that you had to look for. That would have been a better start and then launch directly into the next mission, being the augment mission. I think that would have been a way better way to go.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think, if I remember correctly, Back, like, this is 2004. Back then, I used to have a subscription to TV Guide. And I think they actually, like, had a story about this. Um, about Brent Spiner coming back and, and being on Enterprise and stuff. And the big show being on it. So, I remember watching this episode when it premiered. Um, and I remember, like, we, we ordered pizza that night. And I just remember sitting in my man cave. Because it was back when I used to have a man cave. Um... At our old house, and I, I just remember this episode. I remember just being blown away and thinking, This is awesome! This is so good. Um, Curtis, what are your thoughts?
4: Well, I'm gonna echo what everyone else has said. This is a great way to kick off an arc, it has all the ingredients for like the episode that you need at the beginning of an arc. I love the augments, like everyone else,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, despite. <clears throat> what the impression that this episode gives you, I don't think all of them come with that alpha personality where they want to be in charge. Mm-hmm. But the ones that do come with it really come with it. And it was pretty much just those two dudes. Um, everyone else looked like, you know, more or less willing to be subservient to a leader because that's that's how this group is going to function, you mm-hmm. know, is with a leader. And their old leader served them on the planet for that situation. And I understand, you know, it's, it's time now... We're in a different situation We need a different kind of leader, different kind of leadership. So that made sense to me. Um, but the rest of them, they really looked like they were totally at home taking orders. Because yep. otherwise you just get, you know, last man standing and it's just one dude. And it's like, well, now what? Yep. I'm going to go awaken all the other Augments so I can kill them too. Not likely. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think they all have that alpha personality. But the ones that do have it extra because Augments have everything extra. Uh, Great introduction to them. Odd that they would all wear the exact same wardrobe this many years later. You you took a whole Klingon ship, which, man, that bird of prey looked wicked. It looked like a bunch of scrap metal welded together, polished up, and spray-painted. I love it. Um, Do you think they could have found some extra... Extra uniforms laying around. In there.
1: Well, I, I kind of took it because I mean the augments are from the same genetic pool that Khan and his people came from, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking because Khan and all his guys on the Wrathicon had ripped up clothes and stuff, they were trying to go for that aesthetic to let you know that this was the same type of people, you know? That's like,
0: fair. But yeah.
1: what people don't, what I guess they didn't realize at the time is like when Khan and them got out of sleep, they had nice red, you know, uh, um, coveralls, you know, like, it. you know, the reason why they were all ripped up and shitty by Star Trek 2 is because they had been on that planet, you know, that became a desert planet and they had to fight to survive. And they had no, no means of making new clothing, so they had to wear just what they had and that was it.
4: Which is fair, but talk about a missed opportunity to give oh, Persis yeah. the Lurza and Baytor treatment.
1: Oh, you know absolutely. Yeah,
2: that actress.
1: That's God. right. She's beautiful. Uh, Ragnar, your
2: thoughts? Uh, well, just going to echo a little bit what you guys have all said, which is, you know, this has been a way better way to start the season. Because this episode mm-hmm. has so much going on and is so exciting and kicks so much ass that it's like this would have drawn everybody in and got them excited about the show. Yep. Instead of the wishy-washy, well we got Nazis but we're not really doing anything with it one, which wasn't <sighs> bad, but if this had been the first episode of the season, everybody would have been like, "Oh man, I got to watch the rest of this season."
1: Espe- especially it's I think like, for Star no, Trek fans.
0: Cuz
1: cuz yeah. like like I said for me, like originally when this season came out, I didn't watch the first three episodes. Like I just kind of yeah. tuned in a little bit and then I was like, eh, and I, I tuned out.
0: Yeah. I, speci- nice I city.
1: specifically uh, came to this episode because of the story and TV guide that, you know, Brent yeah. Spiner was coming
2: back and I was like, shit, I got to watch this. Yeah. But you yeah. know, so I, but yeah, great episode. It was fun to see, you know, Brent Spiner again. Um, the big show was awesome. And you know the the mod the mod squad or whatever you want to call them they were fun. Bird of prey was sweet. It was awesome. It's great episode. Tons of fun. Yep. Um. You, you know, you kind of could skip the rest of the episodes and just start season four here, and it wouldn't really be that much worse for it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. All right. Well, for the for the next. I'm going to just combine the next two episodes, and then after that, there's three episodes that is, again, another storyline. I'm just going to combine them, too, because they're, they're all kind of the same story. Okay. Um, so for this, so I'll just uh, describe the episodes first. Uh, episode 81, fifth of the season, Cold Station 12, Date Unknown, directed by Michael Veger, uh, written by Alan Brennert. Uh, original air date, November fifth, two 2004. A space station crew is held hostage by Dr. Eric Soon and his augments, as they op- work to obtain hundreds of augment embryos in hopes of creating an augment augment population. Um, so yeah, Brent Spiner back, Malik's back, uh, Persis is there, um, Richard uh, Richard real really? Um, oh, is that the same actor? Yeah, Doctor Jeremy Lucas. He he was on. Uh, 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 office space. Um, that actor with the big glasses. Uh, well, no, I guess not the big glasses, but he was on office space. Anyway, he, he was the one that gets hit by the car in office space. Um, and then the next episode is 82nd of the series, sixth of the season, the augments. The date is may 27th, 2154 directed by Jordy Laforge, Lavar Burton, uh, Written by Mike Sussman. Original air date November 12, 2004. Dr. Eric Soon finds himself overthrown as father of the Augments. An archer rushes to prevent the destruction of a Klingon colony. As a result of his dashed hopes of enhancing humans, Soon turns to in a new direction of research. Um, so, yeah. Uh, my sentiments for these episodes is I, I liked them. Um, I thought it was great having... Uh, Brent Spiner back, and yeah, I can can only imagine how great it would have been uh, to have Jordy directing Data in this episode, like behind the scenes. I think that would have been a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, great, a great three-parter. Curtis, your thoughts on this?
4: Okay, so we're you're taking Borderland, or pardon me, Cold Station Twelve, and the Augments, and combining them now. Yeah. Okay, just wanted to make sure I was keeping up. You betcha. So, well, I like how it's cool that um, it opened with soon teaching the augments as children, instilling in them this idea that humans fear them. Like, it's funny that he would plant that at a young age. And then it's like, well, no wonder they grew up thinking the things they thought and acting the way they did, really. Um, And for Archer's part, it kind of seems he's almost like chasing them down with nearly the same fervor as he did for the Zindi, like their existence offends him personally or something like he's on them, which is kind of weird, but all right. Um, and we start to see the the augments displaying a little bit more impulsiveness, acting a little irrationally, even mood swings, dissension in the ranks, that kind of thing. Um, not sure. Maybe there's like some sort of self-destructive tendency, in some of them. I'm not sure, but we start to see that surface a bit more. And that's kind of cool. Gives us a little insight onto, like, the functioning of their unique little social circle of, what is it, like, eight, or, eight of them or something like that?
0: Mm
4: hmm. Um, so that's cool. And, oh, the, the lead scientist guy, uh, Richard. Richard, how do you even say that last name? Richard, really?
1: Yeah, it's something like that.
4: So he was in. Um, the TNG episode. Um,
1: oh, yeah. Uh, the Inner uh,
4: Light. Yep, yep. The Inner Light. He played Bataille. Yep. And then I think he also played you know, on Voyager, where they have the holodeck that Tom Paris built, the holodeck program where it's like an old Irish town or old English town or something. Yeah, yes. He, he's like the the local drunk dude with a big mustache or whatever. Yeah. Yes, yeah. anyway, same actor. I uh, love seeing him and stuff. <laughs> always going to be a good episode when you see him rolling in um right so then after cold station 12 takes place and all the twisted things that go on there I'm um, i think they overdid the cold factor on archer after he came blasting out of that out of that tube into space and they beamed him away, beamed him away right away mm-hmm. like space is cold but entering space doesn't delete all the heat in your body immediately Like, you know like there's there's nothing to conduct it away and there's nothing to convect it away you only lose it by radiation in a vacuum so i'm not sure why they had to have him like freezing when he landed on the teleport or the, the transporter pad but whatever i'll take it minor gripe mm-hmm. um and then we get to see more augment ass kicking which is great cuz they love to cast women with a bust
0: mm-hmm.
4: and uh it's yeah, it's a heck of a thing to watch fight.
1: Yep. Yeah, I really liked her. She was great. Um. Uh, Richard,
3: your thoughts? Well, I don't know if I can say more than Curtis already has. It's like trying to follow up a really good comedian. It's tough. Sorry. To be. <laughs> don't know. No need. Um, I just got to say that I thought that the episode, again, like these three episodes are great. Um, I'm just gonna skip over all that fun stuff because Curtis said pretty much everything. At the Sorry. end at the end, um Eric Soon he says something to the effect of like, you know, he can't perfect humanity, that would be impossible. But perhaps, you know, he'll try his hand in cybernetics, but it might take a generation or two. Yep. I like how they threw that in there, like yep. he's gonna start the work and then his son, and then his son will be the one to potentially finish it, and, you know, obviously he did, because that's when Moody and Soong created Data. Yep. And I just, you know, the whole, like, Soon thing, I just thought was fantastic. And then, um... And we, oh, learned, yes.
4: we learned he's a phone <coughs> as well right after he said that. Yes. He picks I'm up a play. pencil with his left hand and starts starts writing scribbling away
3: also they um they talk about clock to which right is also known as the briar patch which we learn about in star trek insurrection and i believe the location of a very important battle in klingon history at clock to which i believe they did a bit on in DS
0: Nine, mm-hmm. yes. Core, um,
3: core, yeah. And he was fighting oh. in the holosuite, the Battle of Klock to Which did, didn't he it.
4: actually fight in the legit Battle of Klock de I think I so.
3: I believe he did. I think that Core, Kang, and Koloth all fought in in the in that battle. In fact, they probably fought in a lot of important battles because you know Klingons are super old. And, if I recall correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, but we we saw Kang, Korn, Kolath, and DS9 as you know, normal-looking Klingons. But mm-hmm. they were alive during the Augment episode here at Enterprise, and they explain why Klingons had smooth foreheads for a time, but previous to that in Enterprise, you saw them with what we saw in TNG. And it's because the Klingons wanted augmented Klingons. And when that happened, the the virus made them more humanoid. So I thought that was actually a really cool way to explain, you know, why uh, Klingons were the way they were in TOS. Because at the time, they didn't have, you know, the concept of the Klingon makeup and the money and all that. So I thought that was a really cool way to do it. Very science very futuristic. I thought that was fantastic. And yeah, beyond that, I don't think I have much else to
4: say. And you thought you didn't have much to say.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> okay, okay.
3: Sometimes <laughs> I find something to say and I remember things while I'm talking about other things, which, you know, happens to me a lot.
1: I'm glad you brought up uh, Clock to Kill Brock, because I completely forgot about it. But I totally, when I heard that, I knew exactly what they were talking about.
3: Oh, oh, one more thing. Um, uh, just remembered that they were in the episode, um, in the Augments episode, the third one, one of the uh, Klingons was threatening his, his um, subordinate that he's going to give him garbage scout duty. And I think that was a, a callback to the TOS episode when they were mm. um, the, the Klingons were saying that the Enterprise it was a garbage gal, as garbage or you know as a garbage scale. So That's kind of cool too.
1: Yeah, classic, classic. Yeah, that that uh, uh, Trouble with Tribbles the episode where uh, the Klingons make fun of Kirk and they don't they don't get a you know Scotty doesn't even you know flinch. But when they called the Enterprise a garbage skull, that was too much for Scotty. That's when he. Had, that's when he had to fight him, uh, Ragnar. What, what are your thoughts on these uh, this three parter?
2: Um, mostly just echoing what's already been said. Um, yep. I love the the retcon about the Klingons and their appearance, and it was caused by them trying to augment themselves. That's fucking brilliant. Very Probably a fun. good retcon. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I like that it sort of ties into, you know, the very, very, very beginnings of where Data will come from, but it also connects to the original series through the, you know, essentially the con angle. So I thought this was, this was good. This was fun. It was well done. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these are part of these are some of the episodes that made season 4 stand out so well. Excellent. Um
1: all right, so for the next 3 episodes because essentially it's like a big basically, you know, in this season they did a lot of two and three-parters. Um so right, we're rolling right into another three-part episode. Um so 8 episodes 83, 84 and 85 of the series 7 8 9. Uh, we got the Forge, we got Awakening, and we have Kirshara. Uh Dates are unknown for all of these. Part one written are directed by uh, Michael Grossman. Part two directed by Blana Torres, Roxanne Dawson, and part three directed by David Livingston. Part one written by Judith and Garfield Reeves Stevens, who. At the time, were Star Trek novelists, so it was really cool that they brought Star Trek novelists into this into the series. Part two oh, was maybe
3: they should do that again.
1: Yeah, yeah, they. <laughs> there's there's a lot of people that know what what they're talking about, and and, the, and those two were they. Yeah, they wrote some some great uh, uh, books, including Federation, which was when uh, they re- wrote I think for the 30th anniversary. Um,
3: I'd love to see Peter David on an episode, like writing an episode.
1: Yeah, um, he, he's really sick right now. Fingers crossed, he, he's going to get better. Um, he, unfortunately, he's got kidney failure right now, so he's on the he's on the donor list waiting for a kidney. Um, yeah, and he and he had a stroke a few years ago, um, so this guy's been through through the through hell for like the last nine years or so, eight or nine years. Um, But he's still writing great comics. Like, um, one of my favorite comics is The Maestro um, that he writes for Marvel. And he's doing excellent. But anyway, um, part two, uh, directed by Andreas Bormanis, or sorry, written by Andreas Bormanis, And part three was written by Mike Sussman. Original air dates November 19th, November 26th, and December 3rd, 2004. Uh, So part one, we have Earth's embassy on Vulcan is partially destroyed by a bomb killing Admiral Forrest, which really sucked. I like Admiral Forrest, um, but I understand for dramatic purposes why they had to do it. Archer and T'Pol travel to Vulcan in search of an alleged terrorist group blamed for the explosion, of which T'Pol's mother is a member. Part two, Archer and T'Pol find T'Pau, which was the old Vulcan lady from a mock time only she's really young and hot in this in this episode, and Paul's mother, and learn that Archer is carrying Surak's Katra. Part 3, Archer and T'Pol bring back Kirshara, Surak's artifact, that will lead the vast changes of the Vulcan world. T'Pol's uh, Panar Syndrome was cured by T'Pau. Um Again, a, a great three-parter. Um, I was sad to see Von Armstrong die. Uh, uh, Gary Graham returns as Saval in this episode. Uh, and part two, um, we have, uh, uh, yeah, T'Pau, uh, an actress named Kara Zedeker played, uh, T'Pau, uh, again, she's the younger version of, um. Of uh, um, oh, uh, Tapal uh, from uh, a time, the original series episode, and also to uh, to Lesse's in this episode, uh, uh to Paul's mom, a lot of teas, a lot of teas in this episode, um, and then. For the, uh, we for third part three, I think I actually think he was in part two as well. Maybe I'm wrong, but Jeffrey Combs as uh, Shran because he kidnaps uh, Saval because they believe that the Andor or Vulcans are gonna are planning to use a Zindi type weapon on Andor. Um. So yeah, in this episode, um, our this three parter, Archer gets uh, uh, Surak's, uh Katra. And, and it it's crazy to think about it, but, you know, like, um, these Vulcans were really against, you know, mind melds and all that kind of stuff. They didn't believe um, that, uh, you know, like, surak could be alive. Um, I'm trying... Uh, the actor... Oh, Jack Donner... Uh, Appears in this episode two. Um, he is, uh, again, he was, he played, uh, the sub commander on Enterprise Incident from the original series. And also, uh, the actor, um, Robert Foxworth. He's the, uh, Vulcan, he's the bad guy in, in this, in this, uh, two parter. And I mean, this act, he's been in everything. Um, you know, just going over some of uh, some of his credentials here. Uh, he was on the Questor tapes. He was Questor. That's a Gene Roddenberry um, show that he was trying to get on, on the go in the seventies. He was on Babylon Five uh, for a couple of episodes as General Haig. Uh, um, he was on Sequest DSV. He's been on. Law oh, and I Order.
0: remember that.
1: Yep.
2: Oh, yeah, Star Trek in the Water.
1: Yep. Uh, he, Law and Order, um... DS9? Oh, yes, he was on Deep... Let's see, where is that? Uh, Deep... Yeah, who did he play on Deep Space Nine again?
4: The Admiral, who tried to frame Ben as a changeling to seize control of, um... Earth, basically.
1: Right. And that's why he was, like... Admiral Layton. Yes, and that's why they killed off his character on Babylon 5, because he was filming... Deep Space Nine and couldn't film as, as General Haig, so they killed him off. Um, yeah, he's been on so many shows, so many shows. Um, great actor, and he was particularly great in this three-parter as, as the big Vulcan baddie. I really liked it. And I think he was actually, was he, that it turned out he was a, he was an agent for Romulans, but was he a Romulan himself? Did they say that, or was no? He, he was just he, he, just, wasn't, he was just working the,
4: for them. Well, he was working for a Romulan who wanted reunification. Oh Which is weird because that's the same thing Spock wanted in TNG. Yeah. So I don't know, like that it feels like there was gonna be more to that. But they ran out of T V show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> I feel like they were gonna explore that some more. But, you know, they yeah. killed the series instead. Womp um,
1: womp. All right. Uh, Ragnar, what, what what are your thoughts on this three-parter?
4: Uh, well, I just,
2: before I forget this this thought I just had, I just wanted to say, as a whole, you know, across the, the seasons of Enterprise, I loved how they presented the Vulcans as different from the Vulcans we mm-hmm. know. For example, they don't do the mind meld. That's considered taboo, or some of them don't even think you can do it. Um, And I just thought that was a really neat touch that I think what they're sort of saying is that, you know, obviously the Vulcans changed Earth's history, but also things the Earthlings did changed Vulcan history. Yep. And I thought that was a neat little little tie in that they did. Yep. Um, As far as these episodes go, they were great. Um, You know, it was very fun to see storylines that are running multiple episodes. This was a, a cool, cool um, concept. Definitely reminded me a lot of the spirituality as some of the some of the spirituality aspects from DS Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there. I, I don't know. Whenever I watch these three episodes, I get a lot of Jonathan Archer channeling Captain Cisco. Like I don't. I don't think that was really intentional, and I don't think anybody ripped ripped off somebody or anything like that. It's just, whenever I watch this, it makes me want to watch DS9 again because of the spiritual aspects.
0: hmm
4: And, yeah, they were great. Um, Archer was kind of um, Sir Rock's emissary, sort of. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and Sir Rock was sort
2: of like a paw wraith in a way.
3: Um, <clears throat> oh... I don't think that Serac. I wouldn't consider him analogous to a Paul Wraith. No. If anything, I would consider him analogous to one of the prophets, like he was. Oh
2: yeah, sorry. That yeah yeah yeah. That's what I meant.
3: You you meant like a Paul Wraith and the fact that the Paul Wraiths take over
2: people's bodies. Yeah 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 <clears throat> yeah. I thought that was cool. But yeah, um, they were fun. They're they're good episodes. I definitely wouldn't skip this this little trilogy. Nope. Uh, again, you got to see Captain Archer get. I mean, obviously, it's not entirely him, but you get to see <clears throat> Scott Bakula do more with the character, which was fun. Because one of my big complaints about Enterprise was that the first two seasons, for sure, Captain Archer is kind of wooden and doesn't really do anything. And in season three and four, you, you get to see him do a lot more, and he's a lot more interesting of a character. Yep. Um, yeah, and then it was and it was fun to see to Paul's mom and be like, oh, you're not quite what we thought you were. Yep. So that
4: Unless you watched that episode that you all told people to skip. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. In which case you're like, oh, she has a mom. Neat.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I think
2: that's all I got to say about him. Excellent. Uh, Rich, your your thoughts?
3: I'm not sure. Yes, yes I really enjoy Some of the things that Enterprise does To Develop the past Of mm-hmm. say like TNG We talked about it with Augments And now they're doing it with the Vulcans And they basically Showed How they went from their previous State to more of like A Syrenite state which is what You know the the dissidents were They were Syrenites and I thought that was really awesome how they had to go find this this quest item. They went on a big quest. They found the quest item. They brought it back and they're like, boom, here's the Kirshara. And it revolutionized the entire culture of Vulcan people. And, and I just thought that was really well done. And of course, like, the acting was better than it had been in previous seasons, which I really appreciate. And it's there was something else that I was gonna. No, no, I think I lost it. But yeah, basically this arc, absolutely fantastic. I love how it went and explained all the things that we didn't really know the the history of. You mm-hmm. know, like mind melds and like how the mind meld isn't actually like a taboo thing. It's actually something that Vulcans should do. It's part of their like health. And things like that. So I thought that was really great. And beyond that, I think that's pretty much it that hasn't already been said. Unless, wait, I know Curtis has a lot to say.
1: And Curtis, your thoughts.
4: That's just because I actually watched the source material and prepared myself for a time this <laughs> time, which I meant to do last time, but I just, I don't know what happened. But um, unsurprisingly, I love these three episodes. I like deep lore. I like, you know, really getting into the, the the why of things and exploring culture is something that I particularly enjoy in Star Trek. And I've actually come to a new appreciation—a little bit of a tangent—new appreciation for the Klingon culture as of late. I'm I'm kind of on that barge with you guys now. I don't know what I was thinking before, but Good bargain, it's be really yeah. more interesting than I thought. No, we're not going there. We're going to Stovakor, buddy. We're not we're not sailing on that barge. Um, but anyway. So I I appreciate these episodes for that, Mm -hmm. but I especially appreciate, I've mentioned in previous podcasts on Enterprise, there's little hints all the way through the series that these aren't the Vulcans that we've had before. And there's also been hints that, like, there's there's some arrogance going on, there's some secret keeping, there's a lot of this holier-than-thou, but meanwhile we have, you know, a holy site that's actually a freaking spy fortress you know there, there's some hypocrisy going on and this yeah. yeah this three-parter was a really good like conclusion to all that for me because finally you get to smack down on the vulcans and be like look no this is nonsense this is how it is and you kind of it's not like comeuppance but it's satisfying to see like some of the those corrupt elements get weeded out because every every culture in Star Trek has in its upper echelons some corrupt nonsense going on. Yep. it happens in the Klingon Empire all the time. It happens. Every single admiral has something twisted or evil about them. You know, it seems except for Admiral Chev. She can call me anytime. <laughs> <laughs> So, no, it was good. It's just I, I love getting in there and exploring, you know, more of the backstory. Mm-hmm. And this was three episodes full of it, and it was awesome. And it was so satisfying to know that, like, that's what's different about Paul because it's her mom, too. Maybe it runs in the family, you know. And holy crap, I didn't realize that, you know, Archer played this key role carrying the – um. oh, no, I lost the word. The Katra, oh, and, right. and then later on the uh, the Kishara, yeah, both of those things, and like had a direct hand in, in. It's almost like a new awakening in Vulcan culture, and Archer played a part, and so did T'Pol. Yep. like they're they should be massively historical figures in Vulcan history by rights, really, and that's mm-hmm. super cool. Love these episodes. Excellent.
1: Um, all right. Uh, the next episode, episode 86 of the series, 10th of the season, and that is "Dataless, Data Unknown, directed by David Stratton, uh, written by Alan Brennert and Ken Lazebnik. Le- Original air date January 14th, 2005. Dr. Emery Erickson, inventor of the transporter, conducts a long-range experiment in order to recover his long-lost son. Um, I honestly don't really remember anything about this episode. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Daedalus was you a bottle. you want me to kick it off? Sure. I'm just going to read something real quick here. Daedalus sure. was a bottle episode, uh, which only used, uh, standing sets. A showrunner, Manny Cotto, had sought to create an origin story for the transporter with Daedalus, but was not pleased with either the script or the completed episode. Um... Uh, originally aired uh, January 14th, 2005, and only had a 1.93% uh, for a Nielsen rating. Critical reception was mixed, but the relationship between Dr. Erickson and his daughter Danica and Captain Archer was received positively due to the character development. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts?
4: Truthfully, terrible episode. Um,. I don't know. I I found it horribly boring. Uh, It was nice that they sort of almost had an original idea, which is kind of difficult. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of... As you watch through all the Trek series, you see a lot of repetition of themes. Mm -hmm. And this was something kind of new. We've had Transporter screwiness before, but this was a little different. Um, But it just wasn't that interesting of an episode. It it felt like it kind of crawled along.
0: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, But... Interesting. The name of it, Daedalus, is uh, actually a figure from Greek mythology who was the father of Icarus, who flew too close to the sun and lost his wings, which is kind of what happened to the man's son. The the guy's son got basically turned into some sort of um, conscious energy being or something, like got stuck as a transporter beam for all this time out in space, right?
0: Hmm.
4: So that's... I kind of see where they got the name from, and that's a little bit interesting. But that's probably the most interesting thing about the episode, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, just not a big
1: fan. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't even remember this episode.
4: it, It was going sort of the right direction. It just didn't. It never really picked up steam. It didn't build a lot of suspense. The ingredients were there. They were just mixed wrong.
1: Yeah. the The only thing I have to add is I think. Uh, the Daedalus class starship was one of the first starships used by Starfleet. Like you know, I guess this would have been after Enterprise, but they were the ships with the with the ball in front instead of a saucer section. Ah, um,
4: oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was the, a big I'm circle at one right now. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and I think that was the ship that crashed on that moon in TNG, where those were like Troy Data and and O'Brien were taken over by those aliens, but they were saying uh, they were
0: yeah.
1: Starfleet officers that were yes. trapped. Yeah. And uh, and they had a Daedalus-class starship, I think. But anyway, that's all I got to add. Uh, Ragnar, your, your thoughts?
3: I'm going to
2: be completely honest and say I don't remember this episode at all. So... Either I was so bored I played on my phone the whole time, or I fell asleep, because I
4: really have no
2: memory of this.
4: Strong candidate for a nap episode, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't I can't really comment on it. I guess it wasn't very good, because I don't remember it at all. No problem. I, I honestly don't
1: remember much of it either. Uh, Rich, your, your thoughts?
3: Uh, I actually kind of liked it Because I like sort of um, uh, Sci-fi mumbo jumbo type episodes Curtis is right It wasn't exactly done super well It had a lot of great ingredients And it didn't turn out to be like a proper cake It was kind of just like a mishmash That I still found edible at the end of it all Uh, Also, just a side note Data's class uh, was one of the earlier ships they used, one of the few, if only, um, spherical-shaped yep. primary hulls, and also the basis of the Olympia class that Captain Beverly Crusher was was commanding in Star Trek Generations, which I... Not Generations, sorry. Um,
4: the last the, episode of TNG.
3: All Good Things.
1: Yep. Actually... And, she was Captain Beverly Picard,
3: right? She had oh, She was him. too. And
1: they were. They were actually calling her Captain Picard in that episode.
3: And that's why you know Picard was all like, "What? What?" And it was actually talking to Beverly. Uh, I thought. Of, I think it's a really cool ship, but that has nothing to do with the episode. And the the guy um, Emery, what was it? Emery Erickson. He's played by Bill Cobbs. Mm -hmm. which he's been in, like, a lot of cool things. I think originally, like, way back, he was in Grease Lightning in the 70s. Um, He was also in Ninth Museum with Ben Stiller. Uh, His real name is Wilbert, and I don't know, like, I guess short for Bill, or short for Wilbert is also Bill, just like William. I never knew that. Kind of cool. But yeah, aside from the fact that he's literally the father of the transporter, like, just some cool, like, transporter things. Uh, It wasn't that great of an episode. You could skip it. I think it's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, that's about it.
1: Yeah, just looking at his uh, filmography, yeah, he's been on, like, so much. CSI, um, the Drew Carey show, uh, Jag, Six Feet Under. He was on an episode of The Sopranos. He was on The Practice, The Outer Limits, NYPD Blue, E.R., um, uh, L.A. Law, he was on Good Times, yeah. The Sesame Street, Kate and Alley, Spencer for Hire, so he actually worked with uh, Avery Brooks on that episode. Yeah, he's been on a lot of things. Uh, sorry, Curtis, I cut you off. Uh, you had something No,
4: to add? it's not really. I was going to say, I'm not really sure who was looking for a transporter origin story. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we were Me, pretty much due was... for—I don't know—maybe a Tucker episode. You know, we've we've had Mayweather, we had uh, a Hoshi episode, we've had plenty of to Paul, plenty of Archer.
1: Well, and and that's the thing. Like I, I don't know if they—they they,
4: they ran out of show. I get
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> like I think that like they figured, yeah, well, we'll you know we'll carry it on. We still got like three more seasons. Uh, and then they didn't. But, uh, anywho, the last episode we'll be talking about tonight is episode 87th of the series, 11th of the season, Observer Effect, date Unknown, directed by Michael Vigert, written by Judith and Garfield Reeves-Stevens, uh, original air date January 21st, 2005. Organians test the Enterprise crew by observing their reactions to a deadly silicone-based virus. Um so yeah i again this is an episode i don't really remember um the episode sees alien entities test the enterprise crew by observing their reactions actual first contact with these aliens the organians would occur about a century later during the events of the original series episode errand of mercy which would have been the episode that Kor was in in uh, the original show um so this, was, again, was a bottle episode, just like the last episode. The episode did not use any additional sets or guest stars, with the intention of cutting down on costs for the series. This also gave time for the visual effects team to finish earlier work. The episode received mixed reactions from critics, with praise directed at the links to the original series, while criticism directed towards some of the characterization of the characters. Observer Effect was watched by 2.76 million viewers on the first broadcast, which formed part of an overall drop of viewers for the series. Hmm. Uh, yeah, again, I, I don't remember this episode. Like I don't mind them doing bottle episodes, but I would like do it. Like I would like to, yeah, more, more about the crew themselves. Um, you know, maybe a day in the life of, or, you know, something like that.
4: That would have been cool. Data's day is one of my favorite yes, Star Trek episodes exactly. of all time.
1: Yep. Or you could do Disaster in Space, so, you know, like the disaster episode of TNG. Or you could do Die Hard in Space, which was Starship Down with, again, TNG, where Picard is Bruce Willis in that episode. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this was not memorable for me in any way, because I don't remember this at all. Um, Ragnar,
2: what are your thoughts? I'm afraid I'm with you, too. I don't remember this at all. Uh... Guess it was a really long nap. (laughs) Missed two episodes. Um, Even your description of the episode doesn't even sound familiar to me. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember it. So it was either good or terrible. I'm afraid I can't say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and it. Yeah, like, I didn't even realize the Organians were in this episode, which I guess they technically, you didn't see them, I guess? I, I don't know. But they're the people, like, in that ep- the original series episode where, like, the Klingons were, like, slaughtering them and they just didn't care. Because I guess they weren't really dying anyway because they're, they're, like, godlike. They just seemed like they were dying, but they weren't. Uh, um, they're almost like a Q-level type of alien. Yeah, yeah. Um... Just yeah, they just like to observe people. Um, Richard, your thoughts on this episode?
3: I actually kind of like it. Um, I'm not sure they could have done more with you know the the um, organian aspect of it, which I thought was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting that the organians were essentially conducting a duck blind. And they do that consistently in that area because of the the virus from that planet and how different species react to what's happening with that virus, like the Cardassians and the Klingons, and how both of them just sort of like killed off the crew members and then just kind of fucked off and you know hope for the best. Now the humans though they don't do that. They're pointing out that the humans are different. They're kind of special. They don't you know leave people behind if they can help it. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was kind of cool um, It's alright To watch it If you want a little bit of like Deep lore a Couple of tidbits here and there But as far as a watcher I probably skip this every other watch through Just cause it's not Necessarily important To the plot of the uh, series But yeah that's That's about it
1: and Curtis, your thoughts
4: Hop on up on my shoulders Boys, I'll give you a ride I'll carry this one um, <laughs> I really enjoyed this I watched this one immediately Before we started recording Because I nice. had a time crunch today And I was panicking Trying to get this episode in uh, But I did And I, I might have been gaming while I was watching But I, I still got it uh, this one for me is like one of those real Star Trek episodes where, and it's original. It's, it's to, for me, it's an, a pretty original idea within the Star Trek universe. You've got Hoshi and Trip are down on this planet and they come back and they start coughing and they're getting sick and they go into decon.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And we know, because we, the audience, are watching Malcolm and Mayweather get, uh, possessed by these organians which is funny because it's kind of like organs but they don't have any because they don't have corporeal bodies um so we get to see like this amusing commentary it opens they're, they're playing chess and we don't know that they're possessed yet we just see um mayweather and reed playing chess talking about how simple a, and like ridiculously simple of a game it is um and we don't really know what's going on at first and then we sort of come to understand that oh this is these guys are being possessed by some aliens that are watching this like a scientific study. Like how are these humans going to deal with this? And the one alien he's been watching for like 800 years or something, how all these various species deal with, you know, how to, what, what do we do? Our crew has this virus and it's never been cured as far as I know. And I think the idea is that it's supposed to be not curable. Um, They don't come out and say it, but I suspect that it's, it's the or- or- Orgonians, Orgonians that created it themselves. Just a suspicion I have um, could be right or wrong. But no, I just, I, I thought it was really interesting, an interesting take on like a first contact scenario. And we get to see it from the human perspective and from the alien perspective simultaneously mm-hmm. and watch like the two like the convergence of the two different cultures and their approach. And then at the end you get Archer being like old Archer, the original Archer, Archer from before the expanse where, you know, he's an explorer again and he's trying to save not his species, but just a couple of his friends. And he makes this impassioned plea and, you know, he puts everything into it and eventually he gets through to these aliens which is what he spent you know season one and two trying to do and sometimes successfully doing and i wasn't a big fan of it then but now that he's earned some chops it seems more appropriate for his character while he's taking the same actions it seems less wooden somehow i don't know um so i i enjoy the episode i at least watch it once if you don't like it fine but at least watch it once excellent
1: um, all right, so it actually worked out perfectly that we're ending on this episode because the next episode is part one of another three-part epic um, in which we'll see the Andorians and we'll see the Romulans. And, uh, and the Enar,
3: which the I'm Inar. really excited about.
1: Yeah, it's another, another good three-part episode.
3: Um, oh, man, the last half of this season is going to be a freaking banger.
1: Mm, and, until until awesome. the very end <laughs> and then it, then it ends on a big dud
3: um a very sad dud yeah uh,
1: but before we go i oh I should point out for my birthday my mom got me an original series communicator replica and she got me a Tng tricorder replica so Sweet. yeah it's pretty awesome so I have a practical sound effect for our next segment. Which is, where can we find you on the internet? That's
3: my, that's my tricorder.
0: That was
3: awesome. Um, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I also have a TNG tricorder and a TNG phaser, which those are pretty cool replicas too.
1: Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and then uh, this is the, the, the original communicator. I don't know if you can hear that or not.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, anywho... Well, um, a long
3: time ago, I wanted to get a Bluetooth communicator that was the original TOS, but they're they were really expensive, and I yeah. couldn't
1: get it. And I've seen Bluetooth uh, TNG comm badges too, but yeah, that was that was like two hundred bucks or something. I was like, nah, I don't, I don't like it that much. Um, but yeah, I'm going to use that tricorder sound for for the segment of work we can find you on the internet. Uh, so Curtis, where can we find you, sir?
4: Uh, here and on Facebook in the Trek 1701 podcast group.
1: Excellent. Richard, where can we find you, sir?
3: Entirely here. This is where I live now.
1: Excellent. Um, I did, uh, you can find me here as well. Uh, I also, I just did a guest appearance on my friend Miss M's podcast, uh, Diary of a Dorket podcast. It's uh, available at Podbean. Dot com, where we, d- we talked about Valentine's Day. Um, and we were sending uh, Val- Valentine's cards out to uh, pop culture people. So be sure to check that out. And last but not least, Ragnar. Where can we find you, sir?
2: Well, uh, besides this podcast and the occasional comment in some of the various uh, Facebook groups related to this and uh, your other podcasts, Um, RagnarTheTrader.com is my Mm -hmm. main website I also have an Etsy shop And I'm on Facebook and Instagram All as RagnarTheTrader And uh, coming up real soon You're going to be able to catch me in person All across mostly western Canada And I'm really looking forward to that And in like four days You don't have to wear a mask in Saskatchewan anymore and, yeah, uh, is that Alberta too? I think isn't it Saturday? Yeah,
0: Alberta's that...
3: five days. Is it?
0: Oh, March first, right? Yeah, we're, and we're really
3: twenty-eight. Yeah. Nice. Except the city oh, of Edmonton is going to
4: yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. theirs
3: for an additional mask? month.
4: Yeah, so they they the
2: cities here tried that, and the province stepped in and said no.
4: Hmm. So well, R- Richard means uh, we're city employees. Kind of, we're contractors, but for us yeah. at work, we have to wear them. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, that's like me too. I like, I know, like at work, it's not going to change, but but honestly, like I wear, I wear a respirator a lot anyway at work, so I'm kind of used yeah. to it at work. Um, and like in my my hometown of Barhead here, I'd say like seventy percent of the population stopped wearing masks
2: like two months ago. So like I'm I'm I I noticed that on my on my recent drive I drove from Saskatoon to Vancouver and as soon as we got into Alberta the first gas station we stopped at nobody was wearing a mask not the staff not the customers no one
0: yeah and it
2: was like that through all the rest of the the Alberta segment of the trip and we thought that was pretty funny Um, but I've heard anecdotally from friends in Saskatoon that as soon as the passports ended most people stop wearing masks.
0: Yeah.
2: And I, I think they should have just ended it all at the same time. And if that meant yeah. waiting two more weeks, whatever, wait two more weeks. But yeah. I think they should have just done it all at once instead of, you know, half and half. Yeah, it seems kind of silly. But then again, it's pretty seldom that I agree with anything any level of government does. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, me too. Me too. That.
1: Um, all right. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping... Uh, to make it to the Calgary Con this year. Um Yeah. I'm still yeah. waiting I'm like I'm waiting I'm I'm getting a, a work bonus next month. So I'm kind of waiting till I get that to buy my tickets. Um because I figure by then I should know if Calgary is going to be canceled or not. So Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's going to be I think so all too. I think place. it'll be good. Yeah. But I'm I'm still waiting for my bonus to come in because if if I don't get my I well I am getting my bonus. I got to think positive yeah. because they told me we're getting a bonus. Nice. um, But I mean, that could change too, but you know, it to, that's okay. what I'm going down to Calgary with. I'm not, uh, I don't,
0: uh, I don't and, know if you
2: saw, I don't know if you saw today. They, they announced a bunch of celebrities for it. Yeah. I seen Brent
1: Spiner, Shatner. Um, yeah. And there's another John st-
2: Cleese,
1: John Delancey. Yeah. John,
2: John DeLancey. Cleese. Yeah. John Cleese. Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob, The Trailer Park Boys. It's a pretty right. good lineup.
1: Yeah, um, and and I see in July that Grand Prairie's having a a convention. Yeah, um, Grand. Com- yeah. yeah, so I was actually debating going up there because Lou Ferrigno going to be there, and I've always wanted yeah. to meet Lou Ferrigno. I was going to meet him in Edmonton last year, but it got
2: canceled. Yeah, so. I've I've never met him, but I've seen him at shows, and you know he's he, he's older, of course, but he's still pretty jacked. Oh yeah. Oh yeah,
3: he's definitely you know. You know he good. still
2: has pretty close to
3: that same build. It's
2: it's pretty
1: <sighs>
0: impressive.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy. Um, especially back then when you see him and Schwarzenegger, like, I always think of Schwarzenegger as being big, but Lou Ferrigno was just as big,
2: if not bigger. Yeah, oh
3: yeah. Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk. He had to yeah. be massive.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I you think know what I, mean? I think Schwarzenegger might have been taller, but I'm not totally sure on that. And then there was what? But oh, yeah, Schwarzenegger is isn't. Really, all that? Yeah, he's not especially big compared to some other people. Yeah, like yeah, uh, but he sure was muscular. Boy, oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah.
1: Um. All right. Well, I think we can call this an episode. So, thank you, dear listener, for taking <coughs> the time to listen to the Trek One Seven Zero One podcast. This was Enterprise Season 4.0 and we will see you again in the not too distant future.